Open your Bibles to Jude. We're going to complete our study of the book of Jude this morning as we wrestle with the challenge that uh, uh, that he gave to the church. If you remember, uh, when we began last Sunday, he was desirous to write them a, a uh, nice, pleasant letter, and uh, the Lord moved him to look at the church and to exhort the church to contend. As uh, we bring that to a close this morning, we'll be reading from the end of the book of Jude. Basically, you have examples through the bulk of the letter about the reason for contending, different things that had come up and different issues that they were dealing with. Uh, And now we come to the end of that book. Again, it is our privilege to be studying the very Word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8, when Ezra, the high priest, opened the book of the law, God's Word, the people stood out of respect and reverence for the author of Scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's Word this morning, His very Word, beginning in verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, And praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hate even the garment stained by the flesh. Father, we do thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word We pray that you would give us great wisdom and insight as we heed the exhortation of Jude this morning. Father, may we see Christ Jesus exalted, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Jude told them what the challenge was. That's what you have in verses 17 uh, 18 and 19, they were warned, you know, you're going you're gonna to face this. Uh, and then in verse 20, as he begins, but you, beloved, in other words, something else is in store for you. You knew this was coming. You were told it was coming, but you are to do something different. Now, what's interesting, uh, English scholars Uh, The text actually provides us with an outline. We don't have to force any kind of structure upon it. The primary verb is keep yourselves in the love of God. The way we do that is given to us by three participles. English scholars, participles, verbs used as adjectives, usually ending with I-N-G. And so the building, the praying, and the waiting 
become the structure of our, of our outline. These are participles that describe the significance of the main verb. Okay, Main verb, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, the picture here is, as you look at that word keep, is to watch over, preserve, guard. In other words, to cherish very carefully that which is yours and be sure that you watch it. Be sure that you guard it. Be sure that you preserve it. Uh, again, as we saw last Sunday, this is an imperative verb. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. Uh, it's a command. This is what we're to be doing. We're to be watching carefully uh, concerning our, our relationship with God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It's also a present tense verb, which means it's ongoing. And it's also active, which means it's something we are to be doing. Okay? So that uh, it's a command concerning our taking great care in terms of our relationship with God the Father. I'm to be working on that relationship, taking nothing for granted, cultivating it, protecting it. Now, keep in mind, from a theological standpoint, this exhortation does not contradict with, uh, with, the, uh, with the doctrine of the, the, the perseverance of the saints. We know that if we have been saved by God the Father who chose us from the beginning of the earth through the work of Jesus Christ who died that one-time historical death to pay for our penalty, to, to pay, the, pay for the penalty of sin and having that work applied to us in our own personal time by the Holy Spirit, God's done it. The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So our salvation is secure. But please understand as we wrestle with, and this is the beauty of the five points of the Reformed faith, you know, as we talk about the, the total depravity of man. Could we save ourselves? No. No way. Dead in our sins and our trespasses is what Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians. For some reason, God chose to save some. Unconditional election. No conditions on this. God didn't look down the road and say, Oh, this guy's going to be a nice guy. I'm going to save him. This guy's going to impact the world for Jesus. I'm going to save him. No. For no reason at all. God chose, according to his own will, his own wisdom, who were going to be his. Unconditional election. The Lord Jesus Christ died for those people. It's what we call limited atonement. Probably a better word would be particular atonement, but he didn't die for everybody. He died for those whom God had chosen. In the words of A.W. Pink in his book, Sovereignty of God, there was, not a, there was not a precious drop of blood that was wasted. He died for his people. As that work is applied to our hearts, irresistible grace, God takes us and he changes us. And then he puts us on that right track. And that's what we call perseverance of the saints. Please understand... Perseverance is an active process. 
Don't fall into the trap of this, oh, once saved, always saved. I can do whatever I want to do. It's not the way it works. God saves us. We're His. We're to do what He desires to see us do. Probably one of the most simple memory verses to learn that helps us with this is John 14, 15. If you love me, how does that end? You will keep my commandments. In other words, the desire of the heart is to be what God wants us to be. Turn to the book of Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 2. As we seek to understand the significance of this idea of keeping. I can remember years ago, uh, Sharon and I sitting in a red lobster in Augusta, Georgia. And... Uh, and it, this is when this was so far away, so far past. This is when Shirley MacLaine was doing her weird stuff, and uh, and and here was a son, obviously talking to his parents, and the girlfriend was sitting here, and and he was talking about how he had found all this new wisdom in this, you know, uh, being able to to remove himself from his body and all this kind of stuff, and it was obvious the parents were kind of old school. And, uh, boy, they were just really upset, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the poor little girl. Now, this is an example of ripping Scripture out of context. Poor little girl trying to bring, you know, some type of resolution to the setting. So he's only working out his own salvation. Well, that's not what Paul says here. You know, she ripped something out of context and, and, and tried to use that. Uh, she knew something about Scripture, but she didn't know the truth. Okay, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul tells us, Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, so now, not only in, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, God has set us aside. He bought us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. Having been set on this new path, my life is to be one of desiring to be what He wants me to be. As I persevere in the faith, I am struggling with the challenges of this world and seeking to be what the Lord wants me to be. That's the challenge. And within that challenge, as Paul, as Jude says, you know, keep yourselves in the love of God. We cannot become lazy. We cannot become lax. We're to be focused on that struggle. We're to be focused on that challenge. Second Peter. Flip back over there real quick. First chapter. Peter's talking about the characteristics that, that are to be in the life of a believer. Uh, he talks about having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Uh, 
uh, he talks about making every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities, this is verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from becoming ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he, he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For as long as, these, as long as you practice these things, you will never fall. See, this is the picture of that word keep that Jude uses to emphasize the fact that you have to work at your relationship with the Lord. Yes, He has saved you. Yes, He has made us, he has made us His. But that doesn't mean I become lax. That doesn't mean I become lazy. That means that I am, as Peter says, using the phrase here, all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. In other words, you're to work at it. Again, it's a command. Not a suggestion, not a request. It's a command. So keep yourselves in the love of God. How do we do that? First part is simple. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Uh, building's a constructive uh, a term that involves construction. The idea of, of growing, the idea of, of uh, uh, becoming better, so to speak. You know, uh, as the construction gets better, the house is some more solid. Uh, house is more firm. This is the picture of our faith. We build ourselves up in your most holy faith. We're growing stronger. Now, heard a Navy SEAL say this one time. When things get tough, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. That's why we train so hard. As we are built up in our faith, and here again, this is something we're to be doing. As we get stronger in our faith, Lord willing, the life becomes that much more useful. For example, I can remember growing up in the day, days of tennis when it was John McEnroe and Jimmy Connors, and I mean those guys would throw rackets and argue in foul language. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And foul language was a part of my life because I thought, man, this made you tough. When in reality, it's, you're so stupid, you can't think of anything better to say. But when I became a Christian, reading scriptures like Ephesians 4, where Paul says that no unwholesome word Proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for edification, according to the need of the moment. Began to realize that, that, that foul language was not for me. 
But it took years to filter all the garbage out. Years of struggle, thought patterns. To get all of that out to become what the Lord wanted me to become. And, and still, you know, you know, until we get to heaven, guys, we don't ever get, get it together. We understand that, right? But we're on that track. Now, by God's grace, foul language doesn't come out of my mouth anymore. But it's, it's God working in me, refining me, getting all that out to replace it with something else. Still working on the total picture, guys. But this is the idea of, of becoming more solid in it so that when something happens, I don't... See, here, here again, it's, you know, it, it's one of the humanistic ideals where man is basically good, that when we rise to the occasion, I'm going to be that good hero. You understand that, right? But man's basic nature isn't good. Therefore, I have to work at it over and over and over again in order when the situation does come, I will be able to handle it better. See, that's the process of that building. We're making the structure more solid. So we do something over and over and over again. I teach kids tennis and I talk about muscle memory. You don't have time to stand on the baseline and when the balls hit to you, oh, I've got to turn, step, and swing. I've got to watch that ball. Oh, it's already passed. Muscle memory. And by God's grace, as we grow in our faith, you see, that will become more true within our bodies, within our minds, within our actions, but more importantly, in our reactions. Your actions really don't demonstrate the truth because we can choreograph our actions. But what happens when something happens and you didn't expect it? How do you react? See, that's more of a demonstration of, of the depth of Christ in your life. And I blew it this morning. Sharon was running a little late. I blew it. See, still more work to do. But again, man, that's, what, that's looking forward to heaven, man. But you see, when the situation is rise, when the situation arises, we don't rise, we fall. To the level of that training. How have we trained ourselves to act and react in such a way that we keep our relationship with the Lord? You need to read the Scripture faithfully. You need to spend time in the Word. Again, remember I talked about perseverance of the saints is an active concept. 
You don't put your Bible under the pillow and have all the truth of Scripture be absorbed by your brain as you sleep. You've got to read it. You've got to interact with it. You've got to memorize it. You've got to understand concepts. All of that is part of the process. You need to spend time in the Word. You need to spend time with God's people. Because we are influenced by the folks we run with. Okay? Who are my best friends? Who are the people that I find the most encouraging to be around? You need to be with God's people so that you can be supported, you can be strengthened within the midst of that process. And then obviously worship is very much a part of that too. The importance of worship on the Lord's Day. The the process of building is just that. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. Examine yourselves. Now, don't fall into a legalistic, oh, I've got to read the Word for 30 minutes a day. Boom. No. Listen. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Okay? If you love the Lord, uh, you want to spend time with Him. Where does He talk to you? Please don't fall into the trap of, oh, yeah, He talks to me in dreams. No. He talks to you through the Scripture. So we need to be in the Scripture. We need to know the Word. That's the foundation upon which we build. Seek to memorize it. Seek to think it continuously. You know, we, it, it's interesting. And, and by the way, the, the, the shorter catechism is very helpful here, too. Uh, we, we, we live in a world that's very, very challenging. You know, we, we're experiencing things in the United States that uh, I, I can hardly understand why in the world they're going on, but when you have policemen that are targets and, and you have uh, uh, authority figures that are just totally uh, corrupt, go on and on. Shorter Catechism 7, what are the decrees of God? I mean, you have to define history through who God is, guys. Okay? What are the decrees of God? The decrees of God are His eternal purposes according to the counsel of His own will. So in other words, first of all, He never consulted us in any of it. Whereby, for His own glory, and if it's for His glory, who benefits? Okay? He has allowed whatsoever shall come to pass. It's not allowed. What is it? The sovereign God of the universe, the God who made all things in six 24-hour time frames, doesn't allow. He has, what's the word? foreordained whatsoever shall come to pass. The more we think through that, the more, we be, the, the more our mindset becomes engrossed in that, you see, you begin to look at things through the eyes of God. 
And that's when you can come to that point, like Paul said, that we can experience that peace that passeth all understanding. The God of the Scriptures is working to accomplish His purposes. Not ours, His. And He's allowed us to be a part of it. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit, and Paul is, or excuse me, Jude is not in any way talking about tongues at this point. Turn back to Ephesians 6 for a minute. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Third person of the Trinity. That one who, by the way, in, in, in the upper room when Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, he tells them, it's for your benefit that I go. That the Spirit come. So you've got to realize the significance of this wonderful and awesome gift that has been given to us, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to guide us, to teach us, to remind us, on and on and on. Ephesians chapter 6, we emphasize the fruit, the, 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 that's Galatians, but uh, uh, Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Okay? Uh, the, the picture of the, uh, uh, of the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the, 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 the shoes on the feet, the, the, the gospel uh, being proclaimed because of that, uh, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Boom, we stop. Uh, is there a period at the end of that? Word of God, period? What's there, Steve? It's a comma. That means there's more. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly as to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, you see, prayer is a vital aspect of a Christian's life. Prayer is when we actually get to converse with that God who has entered history in the person of Jesus Christ. And He sent His Son to die for us in order to make us His and to bring us into that relationship and He's given us a vehicle, the Holy Spirit, who guides us as we pray. And this is where it, it, it's really important to, to, to look at the verses of Scripture that talk about prayer. Because oftentimes, the only time we pray is when we're having trouble or when we want things. When prayer should be a constant part of the life of a believer. 
And there's a specific formula from prayer as you see the different portions of Scripture. Ephesians 6, 8 is a good one. Romans 8, 26 and 27 is a good one. And you find that as you wrestle with Scripture, you have a tremendous guide in terms of how to pray. The, the word acts. You ever heard that? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, then supplication. Where do we start most of our prayers? Lord, I want this, and you know, I'll take this too, and so forth and so on, you see. We're coming into the presence of our holy God. We're meeting Him. And we need to use the structure that He has provided us. And that is Scripture. So many of the Psalms are beautiful prayers. What Paul says here in Ephesians 6, once again, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Paul says we need to pray for the saints. Paul says, please pray for me. Valley of Vision. Familiar with that? It's a book of Puritan prayers. The Valley of Vision. Outstanding. As you see, this whole formula worked out in terms of who is God. What do we do about our sin? See, because we, we can't approach Him. He is a holy God. But remember, because of Jesus, we've been washed in the blood. So all that's taken away so that we're able to enter into the very presence of God. Now keep in mind when Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished, what happened? This is kind of like a pop test because I prayed this the last two Sundays. What happened when he said, it is finished? Come on. You remember the people were separated from God because there was this huge veil in the temple. One time a year, one person a year was able to come into that holy place and enter into the most holy place and sprinkle the blood of that lamb upon the mercy seat. John the Baptist, the first time he saw Jesus Christ, said, There, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When Christ's blood was shed, that veil torn from top to bottom. The way was open. We don't have to wait until the Day of Atonement. We don't have to have a bowl with blood in it. That's already been taken care of. All we have to do is go into the presence of our God. Who, by the way, if you're adopted, you can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba was like the word, Daddy. Abba speaks of respect. Or excuse me, Father speaks of respect and reverence. Abba thinks of person, speaks of personal. You see, we're able to enjoy this personal relationship as we come into His presence and as we pray, as we lay out our hearts before Him. Prayer. 
praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude says. Thirdly, third participle, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Okay? What's he talking about here, this waiting stuff? Well, a couple of portions of Scripture. Let me begin in Titus, Titus chapter 2. As Paul writes in verse 13, waiting, here again that same term, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, talking here about the return of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verses 11 and 12. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for, same word, and hastening the coming of the day of God. So what Jude is making reference to here is waiting upon the return of our Lord. Now, don't get caught up in this times and and all that kind of stuff that we seemed at times to just have a blast trying to figure out when he's returning. Keep in mind, when he's about to ascend into heaven, the disciples say, when are you coming back? What did he say? Literally, it's none of your business. The Father has ordained it to be. Now, here again, the, the phraseology is, is only the Father knows, but that doesn't mean that Jesus Christ was, did not have a knowledge of it, you see. It's the picture of, hey, it's the Father's business. It's not your business. I've trained you, I've discipled you, and I'm turning you loose to labor faithfully until the time that the Lord has ordained for the return of his son, for the return of the great king. And yet we want to get caught up in all that. No, the picture here, brothers and sisters, is, yes, we look forward to his coming. I yearn for that. The experiences of of dealing with, with indwelling sin, the old man versus the new man, the compromise that we always fall into, all of these kind of things that frustrate us as believers, I want that all over with. Either come back or get me out of here. See, that's the picture, the anxiously awaiting it but realizing as well. Only the Father knows. And so until that time, He's to find us busy doing the things of the kingdom. A couple of parables, you know, the the owners leaves. I'm going to be gone for a while. I'm going to give you guys some, some things to do over here. You know, I'll be gone for a while. So, uh, you know, a couple of them are real diligent. One of them says, oh, you know, I, ah, he, he won't be back for a long time. 
You always got to be ready. Well, that's the picture here. As we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we look forward to it with great expectation and great excitement. Oh, what a glorious day. Paul talks about this. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It is glorious. We look forward to it. But until it happens, day by day by day by day, we are busy doing the things of the kingdom. We're those faithful servants who the master says, well done. And you know, bottom line is, in that glorious day when Jesus returns, Forget jewels in the crown stuff. Don't get caught up into that. Oh, to hear Jesus, our great King, say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And until that day, and remember, only the Father, Father knows, He set the date. Until that day, May we faithfully, day by day, keep ourselves in the love of God. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we do marvel at the fact that you would, for whatever reason, shine your face upon such unworthy servants. And yet, Father, you have made us yours for whatever reason. And you've given us a task. And you've equipped us with gifts and talents and abilities to carry out those tasks. And so, Father, until the day that you call us home or until the day that we're here and you return, may we be busy keeping ourselves in the love of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.